Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. Welcome to the 13th episode of Season 8 of the Tom Petty Project Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the weekly podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue, song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. So as always, some quick social media stuff before we dig into this week's song. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, the Twitter poll asked you to rate Depending On You, and the results were as follows. Um, 11.1% of you rated this one between a 1 and a 6. You're wrong. Um, 66.7% rated it between a 7 and 9, and 22.2% gave this a top score 10 out of 10. So yeah, I was right in the middle of that range. So yeah, if you said, you know, between 1 and 6, I don't know. Give your heads a shake. Uh, Over on Facebook, Bob Reedy rated it an 8 and said, um, it's great, but he has better on this album and overall. He set the bar at an Olympian level, so our expectations are high. For anyone else, this would be the best song on an album. This album is my favorite, as I've said. I know you don't understand or like baseball. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've talked about baseball before. Uh, But he put his best hitters towards the top of the lineup. The rest of the album is great, but the best songs were up front. And I think this album, maybe more than any other, apart from, let's say, maybe Damn the Torpedoes, is front-loaded with some gigantic songs. So I completely understand where Bob's coming from on this one, but the rest of the tracks on the album are really, really strong too, in my opinion. Uh, my mate Paul Roberts says, another great song, perhaps not super-duper, but very strong. I'd say an 8 or 9. I don't think anything on this excellent album drops below an 8. Oh, hang on, I forgot about the Hello CD Listeners track. And you know, thinking about it, maybe I should do a bonus episode on that hidden track just for Paul. Or, well, it wouldn't be very long, would it? So, you know what, maybe it'll turn up in the middle of an episode sometime and you'll have to listen for that one. So there's a little Easter egg to watch out for in an upcoming episode. Um, Kelly Ward says, right up there for me. It always makes me feel happy. And Becky Gleason-Wolf agrees, right up there for me too. And yeah, especially those harmony vocals in the pre-chorus make it a real sort of feel-good song. Um, Sight and Sound, which is a fabulous charity which provides free vision care to those in the music industry that can't afford access, says, love it. Classic Petty catalogue situation where there are so many great songs that the good ones never make it to the forefront. Except for us, the hardcore fans, and Tom Petty Project listeners, hey, thanks for that. Uh, think about the ones that didn't even make albums, like Keep a Little Soul. There are several examples like this. Often I play them for friends, and they say, are you kidding me? That's a great tune. How is it not on an album? And, you know, we've talked about this lots in the podcast. John Paulson and I actually commented on the Long After Dark album rap episode that we were surprised Keep a Little Soul was left off. In fact, I think we both included it in our Producer for a Day segment. You know, and there's so many great outtakes that most artists would love to have released as singles. Today's episode covers the fourth track from side two of Full Moon Fever, The Apartment Song. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I don't play any of the music from the song in the episode itself. Sorry. Um, And that's in order to avoid copyright issues and to be mindful of Tom's estate. If you want to give the song a listen before we dig into it, there's a link in the episode notes. There's also a link to the original demo version of the song from the Southern Accent Sessions with Stevie Nicks singing harmony vocals. So give that one a listen too, perhaps, because I will be talking about that one in the episode as well. So as most petty heads know, and as I said already, the apartment song was originally recorded, or at least demoed, for the Southern Accents Project. Along with Rebels, Trailer, and Sheets, apartment was another word that Tom jotted down to help you know, frame his story of his version of the South. The original track is an unusual one because, according to the Heartbreakers' official YouTube channel, Mike Campbell plays the bass on the demo, and on drums we have George Draculius. 
who helped produce the playback box set that the demo finally merged on, and then, of course, worked with the Heartbreakers pretty much from that point on for most of the albums. Uh, now, George Draculius definitely wasn't around during the Southern Accent sessions, so the most likely scenarios are either Stan Lynch played a drum part that wasn't usable, or that a drum part simply wasn't recorded, um, and the Southern Accent sessions were so torrid and unpredictable that it's hard to say exactly you know, what would have been the case. You know, another possibility, and the more likely one, actually, is that the only thing that survived from the demo is the vocals from Tom and Stevie and maybe a scratch guitar track, with the rest of the demo being built out later for the playback set. And in conversations with Tom Petty, Tom tells Paul Zolo, Stevie and I used to do that from time to time, just sit around and sing, and sometimes run a tape recorder, and we'd play it back, have some drinks. He goes on to say, I'd never really pictured it being a duet, but Stevie was there, and I showed her the song I'd written, and she liked it, and sang along on it. Probably only got recorded once. So there you go. He also says that when Full Moon Fever producer Jeff Lynne asked him if he had anything laying around that they could work on, Tom mentioned that he had a demo that he had made with just him and Stevie. So again, this points to the demo version that is on playback. I would say definitely not being something that was worked up at all, or certainly not recorded during those tumultuous days of 1984. And if I ever get to chat to Mike Campbell, I'll definitely ask him about this one, because, of course, Tom's trusty lieutenant was integral to both the eventually released demo version and the version that we end up with on Full Moon Fever. The Apartment Song is also the only track on the album that features Benmont Tench on piano. Of course, Benmont, Howie Epstein, and Stan Lynch were very much less than enthusiastic about Tom venturing out to make a solo record, and the piano part on this song is fairly rudimentary and could have been played by Jeff Lynne or probably even Tom or Mike, but I still like that Tom brought Benmont in to play it. The song starts with a lovely little one-beat snare fill from Phil Jones, who was the session drummer brought in to play drums and percussion on this album and plays on every track except Love Is A Long Road. In keeping with everything else on side two so far, the song wastes no time in getting to the first verse and the, and the lyrics. In fact, I went back and counted, and it's seven seconds before the vocal comes in on this one, 4.5 seconds on Depending On You, eight seconds with two seconds of accounting on You're So Bad, and six seconds on Feel A Whole Lot Better. It's fast, man. Don't bore us get to the chorus, right? It's pop music. Also, like the songs that come before this one on side two, the rhythm section keeps a really nice straight backbeat and doesn't move much off the root notes. We get two guitars here, one panned fairly hard left, an acoustic guitar, and one panned fairly hard right, an electric guitar. The acoustic guitar strumming pattern is pretty much an up and down eighth notes with a couple of quarter notes in there, and the electric guitar is playing that nice, juicy, syncopated country lick. But the pace and flow of the song is immediately different to the demo and has a much more 60s rock and roll skin laid over that swinging country heart. After four bars of that steady groove, Tom comes in with the first lyric, which is essentially the whole premise of the song encapsulated in four lines. I used to live in a two-room apartment, neighbours knocking on my wall. Times were hard, I don't want to knock it, I don't miss it much at all. It's a verse about having it tough in times past and not wanting to go back to that life. It's succinct, visual and beautifully delivered. And the bass just gallops along underneath this whole verse, pounding out the root notes at double time. But we get a great little bap, bap, bap snare lead into the verse, which repeats when Tom sings, knocking on my wall, to emphasize that line. And some people might find that a little cheesy, but for me, it works really well here. It's super cool where it's placed a second time around too, because it comes in between the third and fourth beats in the bar. We only get eight bars of this first verse before we head straight into the chorus. So again, we're not hanging around in this song. When we talked about Depending On You, so two weeks ago, I used the analogy of a playground swing to describe the chord progression in that song's chorus, and we get the same thing in this one. 
D-A-E-A-D-A-E. Like a pendulum swinging back and forth, right? Uh, you also get hand claps, I'm pretty sure, on the snare hits in this chorus, and maybe even a shaker mix really, really low. There's definitely something adding a little more percussion here. I also think there are three guitars in this section. Stay with me on this. The electric guitars playing the stabs on the twos and fours. Then you have one acoustic strumming that similar or familiar double-time rhythm. But I think, and again, this is me going out on a limb, but I think there's a second acoustic playing only on the downstroke on that last E chord at the end of each four bars. You can really hear the, the bass strings being hit a lot more regularly. That top E string is being played at double time to me. So maybe it's the same acoustic part, but something tells me it's the third part, especially because, as I've said on almost every song on this record, there are a lot of guitars on this record. Now, there's a fantastic little trick coming out of this chorus into the second verse. And I don't know whether I'd ever consciously noticed it before, and when I've drummed along with this song in the past, it's easy to miss because you're really just sticking on the beat. But there's an additional two-beat bar in here. So we split the chorus into two. So the first half is just, you know, four uh, bars of four beats. Dead easy. The second, though, is three bars of four beats, one bar of two beats, and then two bars of four beats. So look, I know this is nerdy stuff, but I think it's crazy cool, so I'm going to talk about it. And again, like I said, the first four bars of the chorus are straight four, four time. The count from there, though, is one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, second verse. That's really cool, ladies and gentlemen. And it's not complicated. It's not innovative, really, in rock and roll, but it's really, really effective here. And like a great magic trick, you don't really notice the sleight of hand. It's a great little turnaround. And also, coming out of the chorus, you, you really can hear those hand claps with a, a pretty big delay added to them, I might add. The second verse is something else I'm curious about. The bass sounds different to me. It's almost like Jeff was playing with his fingers to this point, but switches to a pick here. And I, it, I might be wrong on that. It just sounds like there's more attack on those bass notes somehow. Maybe it's just how it's mixed, and maybe it's a delay or some other effect that he's using to fatten that sound up. But it's just slightly more pronounced and slightly more noticeable in the mix. And you know what? Honestly, if you're, if you're a bass player or a guitar player, listen to that and just tell me if you think I'm right or if you think I'm absolutely out of my mind. I don't mind either. Um, you know, other than that, there's nothing really different through this next verse chorus section of the song, but then we get the real hook in this one and the biggest departure from how the original demo would have been imagined. And I have to think that this would have been Jeff Lynne's idea. Tom tells Paul Zolo, that's us doing our Buddy Holly thing. The thing he's talking about is that famous paradiddle rhythm of Peggy Sue. And I can, I can imagine Jeff Lynne, hey Tom, why don't we use the uh, drum beat from Peggy Sue in there? It'll sound great. Now that is a terrible Birmingham accent. It's an even worse Jeff Lynne accent, but I'm going to leave that in the edit. I also just use a word there that you likely won't recognize if you're not a drummer, or at least a musician. And it's something I think I should explain because it, it is cool. Like seriously, it's very, very cool. And it's a rudiment of drumming that I still haven't mastered, even though I definitely should have by now. When you listen to that jungly sounding floor tom, you might think that the drummer is just playing those 16th notes with alternating hands. But a paradiddle gives you that very specific way that it sounds. So you could play it left, right, 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 left, right. But a paradiddle is so named because the diddle bit is being played by the same hand. And when you play two paradiddles in a row, the hand alternates. So instead of left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, you get left, right, left, left, right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left, right, left, right, right. Kind of like a tongue twister on drums. Uh, 
you know, and seriously, think about that and try tapping out left, right, left, left, right, left, right, right. Uh, just use your hands, do it at a fairly slow tempo, then increase the tempo. And think about how fast this is being played. When you get to the speed of the apartment song or Peggy Sue, you can see that it's a technique that you really have to practice to nail. Coming into this section, we get a great little hey that would have been, it would have been Tom's step back from the mic. So you really get that sound coming from the overhead mics or the room mics because, you know, when you sing vocals and when you record music, there's going to be mics placed all over the place just to get different dynamics from around the room, different reverbs and different sort of, you know, parts of the room being recorded. So my guess is that that's mainly the overhead mics picking up that little uh, hey bit that he sings. As well as being played in a paradiddle pattern, those drums are being panned left and right for effect. And a snare has also been added in. And I'm almost 100% sure uh, that that snare would have been overdubbed because I don't think that Phil Jones has three hands. And to play that paradiddle and the snare, unless he's alternating and coming off the tom onto the snare, but I don't think he is, um, you'd need three hands to play it. And through this bridge section, while the drums are thundering away, the electric guitar is dropped out and the stabs are being played by a second acoustic guitar. So just again, a little thing to really let the drums lead this section and keep the bottom end nice and clean. However, after the first four bars, we get the very deep bass notes of the piano coming in to give the bridge a little push to come back out into the third and last verse. Okay, folks, it's time. You know what time it is. Of course you know what time it is. It's time for some petty trivia. Your question from last week was this. When Tom recorded Mary Jane's Last Dance for 1993's Greatest Hits, according to most sources, the band recorded a huge number of covers. Something around, I've heard like any, any sort of estimates from a dozen to 30 is what people think. Um, and something in the air was obviously chosen to be fully mixed and released, but which Elvis Presley song was also recorded and eventually released on 1995's Playback box set. Is it A, Viva Las Vegas, B, Wooden Heart, C, Jailhouse Rock, or D, Return to Sender? Well, written by Fred Wise, Ben Wiseman, Kay Toomey, and the legendary Burt Camfort, and recorded in 1960 for the movie G.I. Blues, the answer is... Wooden Heart. So, let me get to the point. I know this is an old German folk song with a splash of paint, but man, it's one that I've just never really dug. And hopefully my mum never listens to this episode. Don't think she listens to this podcast. And I know a few of you will call me a fool for this, but Elvis Presley just never really landed with me. I completely understand how revolutionary he was as a performer, and he was a fine vocalist, but the songs themselves, almost none of which he wrote, were all very much of a muchness to me. And with only a few exceptions, I find them really quite dated. And this is one that falls very squarely into that category. I also realized that these songs weren't dated at the time, but just for whatever reason, we didn't listen to Elvis when I was growing up, so I think I just missed the boat and I've never been able to catch up with it. And I was chatting with someone the other day, I can't remember who it was now, about what we can expect from the vault in the years ahead, and a completely mixed and mastered release of all the covers the band did during that session, in whatever state of completeness they're in, would be amazing to hear. Don't need to go back and add drums and add bass or whatever it is, just give us the raw stuff, but mixed and mastered so we can hear it. It'd be fantastic to hear all those songs, wouldn't it? Okay, your question for this week is this. Buddy Holly's Peggy Sue shares a connection to the apartment song. But what is it? Is it that A, the album it is on was released on the same month and day as Full Moon Fever? Is it B, 
that Buddy Holly's eponymous album featuring the song peaked at the same position on the Billboard chart as Full Moon Fever? Is it C, that the producer's last name was Petty? Or is it D, that Peggy Sue and the Apartment song are exactly the same length? Okay, back to the song. Coming back out of the bridge, the bass piano notes cut out before Ben Mont starts matching the bass line on, on the piano uh, in around about the middle C position. The third verse is it's just a repeat of the second, uh, and the following chorus follows the same pattern as the others. The chorus then repeats, but just to change things up ever so slightly, because Jeff Lynne and Tom Petty don't like a song to ever sit completely still, there are some piano chords on the chord changes. These chords aren't quite as low as the bass notes during the bridge, but they're definitely not as high as the staccato eighth notes that Ben Mont plays during that last verse either. After this last chorus, we head into the fade-out where those staccato fifth chords on the piano come back in, and Tom repeats, I'm lonely tonight, with the lonely being sung in an A minor descending progression rather than an A major. So again, just, just little things, little things that you can throw in to change the texture and the, you know, the, the feel of a song. Um, after Tom has sung this through three times, the paradiddle beat comes back in and Ben Mont is let off the chain to provide some great sort of Little Richard-style piano wailing over the top of that great beat. Again, there's a little bit more guitar, just a little bit more guitar there from Mike. And, you know, we're just getting all the tricks to the trade to make a, a two and a half minute song interesting and varied. And again, I'm sure that this one was recorded for maybe three and a half minutes and I would love to hear that extra minute. The lyrics in this one are, again, really direct, really simple. Tom reminisces about his two-room apartment, and he's glad that he doesn't live there anymore, but there's a fondness in the tone in which he speaks about it. In the second verse, we hear there's a, a similar nostalgia for a former relationship that he sometimes remembers wistfully. The chorus underscores all this by giving his current state of mind. Oh yeah, I'm all right. I just feel a little lonely tonight. I'm okay most of the time. I just feel a little lonely tonight. So I'm okay, but I could be doing better. There's a romantic pragmatism on display here that elevates the song from being, you know, just another rumination on lost love over eight bars or a, a wallowing self-pity. It's a glass that's definitely half full rather than half empty. In his fabulous book, Tom Petty's Southern Accents, author and former guest on the show, Michael Washburn, comments on the difference between the demo version and the one we get on Full Moon Fever. He says, Sometimes polishing a song doesn't mean perfecting it. Petty fans know the Apartment song as one of Full Moon Fever's lesser tunes. The original demo, featuring Stevie Nicks' voice snaking alongside Petty's, feels wild and vital, where the Full Moon Fever release feels mannered and restrained. Now, while I absolutely understand where Michael's coming from, this is the beauty of music. This is one of those rare songs where I really don't have a strong preference between the two versions. The demo is swampier and it swings differently. It's definitely far more country-slash-southern rock than it is rock and roll, which the Full Moon Fever version definitely is. The latter has that Buddy Holly beat and a, sort of a little richer piano part th thrown in there at the end. The demo has a full-on country bass line with Stevie Nicks dripping her harmonies all over Tom's lead line, but man, I wouldn't want either version to go away. The Full Moon Fever version wouldn't have worked on Southern Accents, but the demo arrangement would have been so much better placed than pretty much any of the Dave Stewart songs if the original concept had been followed through. Michael Washburn concludes by calling the apartment song a track that by all sane interpretations should have been released on Southern Accents, and I can't mount any substantial argument against that statement. 
Curiously, this song was only ever played live four times, all during the Heartbreakers' 1997 Fillmore residency. But quite surprisingly, maybe surprisingly, an official live version of the song has never been released. And I think that this is probably because, unfortunately, the vast majority of the tracks used on the Fillmore release or the live anthology release were recorded during the last six of the 20-date run. The last time the Apartment song was played live was on January 28th, so there's a chance that a high enough quality recording just wasn't captured. However, there are bootleg copies of three performances that you can find through livepedy.com. Um, I'll link to my favorite, which is the January 21st show, in the episode notes so that you can go and listen to it. You know, it gives a great insight into how Tom had sort of reimagined the song for a live setting. The piano is way more prominent, the bass line is far busier, and Steve Ferroni plays a snare pattern that's quite different than the Peggy Sue beat. It's really cool to hear, and you should definitely check that out. Okay, Pettyheads, that's it for this week. Okay, look, is the Apartment song one of Tom's best ever compositions? No. Is the Full Moon Fever version stronger or weaker than the arrangement that might have ended up on Southern Accents? That's a great debate. Who knows? Is it one of the most upbeat, fun, perfect little pop songs on this album, full of perfect little pop songs? In my opinion, yes, it is. It's also one of those deep cuts that I absolutely adore and a song that just makes me smile every time I hear it. I also think it would be a perfect jam song for any bar band anywhere in the world. You could let the piano player go nuts on this one, then let your lead guitarist rip out some Chuck Berry licks, add in a harmonica maybe, and even drop it right down in the Lonely Tonight section and get some crowd participation. It's music you can dance to, it's music you can grin to. So for that reason, and this is one of the first songs where I'm giving this song, consciously giving this song a higher score than I think it maybe deserves, purely on the strength of how much I love it, the Apartment song gets a 9 out of 10 from me. The Tom Petty Project is a proud member of the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Go check them out on Twitter at Deep Dive Podnet. I'm sure you'll find something that you like. I always said that, right? I'm pretty sure you will find something there that you like. Um, you can also check out my other podcast, Seaside Pod Review, a Queen podcast that I do with my best friend, Randy Woods, who performs all the music that you hear in this podcast, including the theme, which he wrote, uh, and the Ultimate Catalog Clash that I co-host with the hardest working man in podcasting, Corey Morissette. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Threads. Yes, I'm on Threads. I'm posting very intermittently, but I'll try and get better at that. Uh, and YouTube, at The Tom Petty Project. And on Twitter, at Tom Petty Project. Go follow, like, subscribe, da, 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 da. And again, please, if you, look, if you want to leave a review or a rating, great. Um, if you don't, that's fine too. Just listen. Um, don't forget that Spotify also now allows ratings, so it would be lovely if you could take a second to go and click the stars on there. Um, you know, it helps the show get noticed a little bit more. Who knows? Maybe you'll get maybe you'll get Mike Campbell or Ben Montench on the show if you if you keep clicking it on Spotify. You never know. And keep talking to me on social media, and I will keep on reading out your comments on the show. I enjoy doing that part now. Don't know why I didn't do it earlier, really. Um, as a final reminder, the Tom Petty Project is not affiliated with the Tom Petty Estate in any way. And when you're looking for Tom's music, please visit official streaming platforms. Or again, go to your local independent record seller, folks. Grab some actual physical media that you can hold in your hands and love forever, or probably as long as you live, because vinyl will definitely outlive you. Um, if you're looking for official merch, you can go to TomPetty.com. And if you're looking for merchandise for this show, please go to TomPettyProject.com. Don't forget to check out the Tom Petty Nation and Tom Petty Fans Forever groups on Facebook. If you're not already remember, the fun hangs. Good people in there. Great conversations. Um, so until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. 
Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you next week to talk about track five from side two of Full Moon Fever, the beautiful lullaby. All right for now. Bye-bye.